church family. Do we feel like a family? Amen. Amen. We call each other brothers and sisters, right? We have the same Heavenly Father. We're going to talk a little bit today uh, about a family. But um, before we get to that, I'd just like to, I want to say, um, I don't get up here very often. So I'm very thankful for our pastor. Because he's speaking five nights a week. And I just think he's doing a wonderful job. Because it's not that easy preparing and he has to prepare a lot more than I do. (laughs) If you have your Bibles, please open to a very familiar text. We're going to be referencing this. It's Romans 8.28. And I know most of you are familiar with it. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. But who are called? In um, Romans 9.24, it says that he might, even us whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. In 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We are all called. The whole world is called. I'd like to share a little story with you, and I don't believe this story is true, but it goes along with this text. It's about a shipwreck, and there was one survivor, and it was a man, and uh, he was able to float on some debris after the ship sunk uh, over to an island. It was a deserted island, and he was able to gather up a few provisions that um, washed up on shore and was able to build a little shelter. And he prayed to God. He was a Christian man. He prayed and he asked, God, please help someone to rescue me. But he didn't, he didn't know how to do that. But he would see ships going by in the distance day after day. And, but they were always so far away. And there was no way to, to get their attention. But one day... A ship came passing closer by. He got this idea, I'm going to build a signal fire. So he built a signal fire. And he watched the ship, and it came by, and it just kept on going. And it was going off in the distance. And he felt hopeless. And he turned from the looking at the ship, and he was going to go back to a shelter. And as he turned, he looked, and he noticed a spark had come from his fire and landed on his shelter's roof, the thatch roof. And it was fully engulfed in flames. And he realized that things became very desperate then because all his provisions, everything he owned in life was gone. And he felt hopeless before, but now it was despair. And he didn't know what to do. And he turned one last time to look at that ship leaving. And he noticed it looked like it was turning. And he watched it. And it was turning around. And it came back to him. And it got close enough that they sent out a lifeboat and came and rescued him. And as he got on the ship, he went to the captain. And he said, 
Why did you turn around? And the captain says, well, we noticed when you lit your shelter on fire that the flame was so big that someone noticed it and we turned around to get you. God can bring blessings out of hopelessness and he can rescue us when everything looks lost. If you had turned in your Bibles to Genesis 37, verse 1, we're going to look at a family. It's the story of Joseph. This is a great story, and I'm sure you all know the story. Um, and it's a story for young people. It's because Joseph is young. But there's a lot, a lot of things going on. If you go to 37 verse 1, it says, And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Billah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. We see a lot of things going on here, don't we? First, we notice that Joseph, 17 years old, he's a young man. That uh, Jacob had multiple wives. It lists two here, but he actually had four. And he brings the evil report of his brothers to his father. And we find out that Jacob loves Joseph more. So he's playing favorites. What is this a recipe for in a family? Dysfunction, jealousy, strife, problems, right? And they hated him for this. You know, in Song of Solomon, it says, Jealousy is cruel as the grave. So this is far from the perfect family. Yet it's the family that God promised to make a great nation. And that should give us hope, shouldn't it? Because we're not perfect. Our families aren't perfect, but God had a promise for them, and he had a purpose. If you go to in verse 5, this is a very long story. We're only going to be able to hit the high points today, so I'll be skipping through some. But verse 5 uh, says, And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. They hated him before, but then he told him this dream, and he said, they were, they were in the field in his dream, and he said, my sheaf, uh, they were gathering sheaves, and they were, he said, my sheaf stood upright, but yours all bowed down to me. Do you think that's going to make his brothers love him more? No. And so, as we look down in verse 13 and 14, there came a day... He actually had two dreams, but I won't go into all that. But there came a day when Jacob said in verse 
13, And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. And he said to him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. You know, it was about 50 miles from Hebron to Shechem. And so it was quite a distance. And you have to understand, there's a little backstory here, and I think it could play into why Jacob uh, wanted Joseph to check on him. Because, for one, we just read that he would bring his father their evil report. So they weren't real good people, were they? They were doing bad things. Well, years before, Levi and Simeon had an incident in Shechem where they had wiped out a whole town because one man, it says in the Bible, defiled their sister, Dinah. So I think part of the reason he wanted them to check on him is just because they were always doing something evil, plus they were in that area where they had wiped out this town. He's probably wondering, are they getting into trouble again? So Joseph goes down there. In verse 18, it says, And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, really ticked him off. And um, in my Bible, it says, They said, The dreamer cometh, but it says, Master of dreams. So I'm sure they had words about his dreams. And they wanted to make sure that these dreams didn't come true. So they wanted to kill him. But in the, the brothers, there was 11. Um, well, Benjamin was made probably, at, he was at home. So there was only 10. But Reuben stuck up. He's the eldest. He says, no, I'm not going to let you shed any blood but, you know, will allow you to throw him in this pit. And his plan was to come back later and to get him out of the pit. And uh, at least he had a little common sense. Uh, but the first thing they do is they, they strip him of his coat. I'm sure that was a, uh, a problem. They didn't like that coat that his, his dad had made special for him. And then, as we see... In uh, it's verse 25, it says, And they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels, bearing spice tree and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh, and his brethren were content. So in uh, Judah's small way, he had a little compassion, didn't he? He says, we're not going to kill him, but we'll sell him as a slave. But you have to understand that in some you know, cultures, slavery was worse than death, actually. So they sold their brother for 20 pieces of silver. So then they had to come up with a plan. What are we going to tell our father? So they, they decided to kill a goat, soak his, his uh, coat in it, and bring it to their father. 
And that's what they did. In verse 34, and Jacob, when he, they presented it to him, and he mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, for I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. You think the brothers might have had a little bit of remorse and guilt? They were pretty evil people. But I think amongst these brothers, I do believe that there was probably some that they were a little more hardened than others. And um, I'm sure there was a, a little bit of remorse and guilt for what they had, were putting their father through. You know, as I was reading this, I couldn't but think of another father that must have mourned for his son, who was sold for 30 pieces of silver, the price of a slave. But our heavenly father gave Jesus willingly, didn't he, for us. And it says that in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's for us. You know, the, the route taken from, actually, Joseph had to travel another 15 miles to Dothan. So when he got on those camels, he had to head south to Egypt, past his own homeland in Hebron. And I'm sure as he's going by, he was looking at the mountains and the landscape, and he knew his house was close by. He was maybe tied up, and he probably thought, I'll never see my father again. I'll never see my family. You know, it's, it's easy to remember eight, uh, Romans 8.28. All things work together for good to those who love God. It's easy when things are going good. But we really need to believe it when things look hopeless. If you turn over to chapter 39... In verse 1, it says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. You know, I'm sure that when Joseph was on that journey down there, I'm sure it took a few days on camel, he had to grow up pretty quick, didn't he? I'm sure he was, uh, he was the favored son. I'm sure he didn't have it too hard. But he probably thought of all the stories Jacob had told him of his life and his experience and what God had done for him. And he thought of his grandfathers um, also, of Isaac and Abraham and what God had done for them. And he probably got hope and encouragement from that. And that, that can also give us hope, can it? We don't have maybe people telling us stories. Maybe we do, but we have God's word, don't we? In Romans fifteen four, it says, Whatsoever things were written beforehand were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. And we have a lot of hope. And just reading this story today, we're going to gain hope. You know, so he goes down to Potiphar's house. 
or was bought by Potiphar. In verse 2 it says, And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house. And all that he had, he put into his hand. You know, God prospered Joseph. But it took the cooperation of Joseph too, didn't it? He had to make the choice that I'm going to trust God wherever I'm at to be, uh, give God the glory. And Potiphar saw this. And, and Joseph rose to second in command in his household. Things were going good. And we can tell from uh, different ages the Bible gives us in uh, Joseph's life that he was there in Potiphar's house about 10 years serving him until one day something happened. And if you go to verse 7, chapter 39, verse 7, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. That's all that needs to be said, isn't it? Can anything good come from that? Not much. Joseph was in for a hard time. It says, day by day, the Bible says, she propositioned Joseph. He knows the possible outcome. He was in a parent no-win situation. But Joseph's answer reveals the power of religious principle. And this is what he said in verse 9. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee. Because thou art his wife, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Joseph, first of all, he understood that his master was good to him. And he says, I can't sin against him, but I can't sin against God. What is that? Isn't that the Ten Commandments fulfilled? To love God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. He was fulfilling that in that test. In Psalms 105, verse 17, it says this. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron until the time that his word came. The word of the Lord tried him. What's it mean to be tried? Tested? Joseph was being tested. He was being tested for a higher purpose. Joseph didn't know what that purpose was at the time. But he says, I'm going to honor God anyway. What are we being tested for today that's coming tomorrow that we don't know? We are all being tested too. But in 1 Peter 4.12, it says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Tests and trials come to all of us, don't they? And God, but God has a higher purpose for each of us. You know, and I see God's hand in the fact um, that Joseph was sent to prison. He could have easily been killed. 
He was just a slave, you know, for being uh, accused of a crime like he was accused of. Um, This Potiphar's wife wanted revenge upon him and accused him of the thing that she wanted him to do. (laughs) But then, so he's thrown in prison. It says there in Psalms that he was laid in iron. Now he's wondering, here I was doing good for 10 years. Now, why am I in prison? If you go to verse 21, it says, but the, of chapter 39, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. God had blessed Joseph. And wherever Joseph went, he says, I'm going to give God the glory. Whatever you do, whether you eat or whether you drink, give God the glory. As we go, now he's in prison. We're going to look at verse 40 and 1 that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers. So the butler and the baker, the king that worked for the king, were sent to prison. And Joseph is the head of all the prisoners. And so he gets to know them. And I think the next verses we read are going to show a little bit about um, Joseph's purpose wherever he goes and his character. Because it says in uh, verse 7, Joseph, verse 6, And Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. So Joseph knows. He's aware. Wow, you're sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore, look ye so sadly today. And they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me then, I pray you. Joseph is concerned with the people around him the people he's working with, even if it's in a prison. And he's, I could just see him going around trying to comfort people, you know, cheer them up. You know, why are you so sad? And they say, well, no, nobody to interpret this dream we had. But what does Joseph do? He gives God the glory again. And he says, God is the interpreter of dreams. God is preparing Joseph you know, what is Joseph learning here? He's learning lessons of justice, sympathy, and mercy because he's living these things. And what did that prepare him to do? Exercise power with wisdom and compassion. So today, we can all learn lessons from our experiences, even the bad, and maybe especially the bad. We can learn things. So Joseph interprets the dreams. He tells them, uh, the butler, you're going to be reinstated into the king's uh, court again. But unfortunately, the butler is going to lose his life. 
And before the butler went back to work for the king, it says in verse 14 of chapter 40, But think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. He's asking the butler, Hey, say a good word for me, would you? You know, if there's anything you can do. But if you look at verse 23... It says, yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. So added to the trials that Joseph had to go through of being in the prison was the disappointment of ingratitude. And if you look in uh, chapter 41, verse 1, it said it came to pass at the end of two full years, Pharaoh dreamed a dream. Two years passed by. And the butler had forgotten Joseph. Here he is, sitting sitting in prison. And you know he was in prison before that. We don't know how long, maybe a year. He might have been in there three years. And he's doing the best he can where he's at for God. But then it says in verse 8 of chapter 41, it came to pass in the morning that Pharaoh, that his spirit was troubled, And he sent and called all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream. But there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. Sounds like another story, doesn't it? The story of Nebuchadnezzar. But God gives dreams and he's the interpreter of dreams. A divine hand is about to open the prison door. And then if you look at the next verse, in verse 9, it says, Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. He finally, God brings to his remembrance, and he says, Hey, there was a slave in prison with me, and he interpreted my dream, and the, and the baker's dream, and I know he could interpret your, your dream. So, in verse 14, it said, They hastily called Joseph because the king is troubled. And when the king is troubled, you do things very quickly, don't you? You you get things moving because you don't want to get in trouble yourself. (laughs) So, they said they cleaned up Joseph. He shaved, put on some new clothes, and they brought him before the king. Here he is, just a slave from the prison. And notice what Joseph says as he comes before the king, the Pharaoh. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Do we remember who is in control? Are we giving God credit for everything that he does in our life? And we talk to other people. Are we giving God the credit? And Joseph is. And the king describes his dream to him. He says, There's, I saw seven good, healthy cows. And then I saw seven lean, uh, sickly-looking cows. And the, the lean ones ate up the, the good cows. And then I saw seven good ears of corn and seven bad ears of corn. And the seven bad ears ate up the, the good ears. So Joseph interprets the dream. And he tells the, the pharaoh, he says... This means that you're going to have seven years of plenty, and then you're going to have seven years of famine. We all know the story. 
And most of the young people, I'm sure, know the story too. But with that, Joseph doesn't just give the interpretation. He also gives him specific instructions, doesn't he? He says, choose for you a wise person, discerning man, that can make plans for the future, that can store up food in all this. And so the Pharaoh thinks on these things. And he says in, in chapter 41, verse uh, 39, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God has showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. So here we see Joseph rising to the second in command of Egypt. First, he was in Potiphar's house. He was basically put in second command, wasn't he? And then he was thrown in prison. And he was put in second command. And now, every way, every part of his life, God was preparing him for another level of service. Joseph didn't know what that purpose was, but he was going to honor God. In verse 46, it says, And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh. He'd been 13 years from the time he was taken as a slave to Potiphar's until he became governor of Egypt. Pretty amazing, isn't it? How God can work. How can God work in our lives today? We don't know. Well, we do know he can work wonderful things, but we don't know how he's going to do that. In Psalms uh, 105, um, verse 20, again, it talks about uh, Joseph. It says, The king sent and loosed him, even the ruler of the people, and let him go free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his substance to bind his princes at his pleasure and teach his elders wisdom. Isn't that amazing? 30 years old and he is leading the nation. He is, uh, he can put people in prison if he wants, bind them, but he's also teaching the elders wisdom. You know, it says in Job 28, 28, Unto man he said, Behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. Joseph had these qualities, and the people around him could see these qualities. And what prepared Joseph for this? Being unjustly treated prepared him to be just, and to have compassion and mercy. Where else do we see this? If we look in Hebrews 4, chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Our high priest 
can relate to us, can't he? Because he's gone through it like Joseph did. In verse 54, 53, and it says, And the seven years of plentiness that was in the land of Egypt were ended. And the seven years of dearth began to come, according as Joseph had said. And the dearth was in the land, all lands, but in the land of Egypt there was bread. Chapter 42, verse 1. And now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said unto his sons, Why do ye, why do ye look upon one another? So he says, you know, why are you looking at each other? <laughs> and he said, Behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt. Get ye down thither and buy for us from thence, that we may live and not die. This is a life or death situation, isn't it? And they have to go somewhere to get food. Otherwise, they're going to starve to death. So he sends his sons down to Egypt. And who do they have to go before? They have to go before Joseph. In verse 7 of chapter 42, it says, And Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them, but made himself strange unto them, and spake roughly unto them, and he said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew not him. And Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them, and said unto them, Ye are spies to see the nakedness of the land, ye are come. And they said unto him, No, my lord, but to buy food are they servants come. We are all one man's sons. We are true men. Thy servants are no spies. And that true men means honest men. But Joseph didn't know. They hadn't been honest in the past, had they? They'd lied to their family about what they did with Joseph. So Joseph has to test them to see if they really are honest anymore. By this time, seven years had gone by. Joseph is 37 years old. 20 years had passed. I'm sure he doesn't look the same. They don't recognize him. So what he does with his tests, he puts him in, in jail for three days, lets them think about it, <laughs> and he wants to see if they really had changed. And then he brings them before him. He's not sure about their characters, but he, he says... He asks them specific questions about his family. You know, he says, do you have any other, uh, how's, how's your father? And he said, he's well. Uh, do you have any other family? And he said, well, we, we had another brother, but he is not. And uh, we have one younger brother at home. So they were honest in their answers. So he, Joseph says, okay, well, I'm going to send you home with food so your family doesn't starve. But... Uh, I want you to bring back your youngest brother to prove to me that you're not spies. And he said, but just to make sure you come back, I'm going to keep one of your brothers as collateral. And uh, so they have no choice. They leave and they go down. And it says in verse 36 that they tell Jacob the whole story. And Jacob says unto them, Me have ye bereaved of my children. Joseph is not, 
and Simeon is not. And will you take Benjamin away? All these things are against me. He's already lost Joseph. Now they've got Simeon in jail. He says, you're not taking Benjamin. (laughs) But there comes a time when they run out of food again. If you look at verse 43, and it says, And the famine was sore in the land, and it came to pass, when they had eaten up the corn which they had brought out of Egypt, that their father said unto them, Go again and buy us a little food. But Judah said, Hey, he told us, You're not getting any food unless you bring your Benjamin back with us. And Israel's response wasn't, or Jacob's response in verse 6 is, Wherefore you dealt so ill with me as to tell the man whether you had a brother? And they said, hey, we were, he asked us specifically. We had to tell him the truth. So at least they were honest, right? But he has no choice. And he, he finally concedes and he sends them down. To Egypt with, with his brother and with Benjamin, and it says they took double um, the money so they could buy the food. And as they get down there, um, Joseph gets word that his brothers had come back and that Benjamin is with him, and so he invites him over to his house for a meal. And I bet the brothers are wondering, what's going on here? Why is, you know, the governor inviting us to his house? They're probably waiting for some, you know, trick or something or something else to be asked of them. And uh, as he brings them before him, he, you know, he asks them, some sp- more questions. And, and this was a little earlier on. They didn't know who he was. And, and Joseph um, didn't let them know he could understand their language. And, and he said, uh, they said one to another, we are very guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the anguish of his soul when we besought us and we would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. And Reuben answered them, saying, Spake I not unto you, saying, Do not sin against the child, and ye would not hear? Therefore, behold, also his blood is required. I'm kind of skipped ahead of the story. That, that happened a little earlier. But Joseph knew that there was some remorse in his brothers, um, in their minds, because they felt now that they were being judged for what they had done. To Joseph. In verse chapter 43, verse 33, as they come down, they come down to his house. It says they he seats them in order by their age. And they look around at each other and they're marveling and they're saying, What's going on? He doesn't know which one's the oldest or the youngest. And it says then, and they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright. And the youngest, according to his youth, and the men marveled one at another. And he took and sent messes or food unto them 
from before him. But Benjamin's food was five times as much as any of theirs. And they drank and were merry with him. Why did Joseph do this? Why did he give his brother Benjamin five times? It was a test, right? Because he knew he wanted to see if there was any jealousy left in them. If they give the youngest one five times as much, are they going to be jealous like they were with Joseph? And we have to understand that um, these brothers were all half-brothers, weren't they? Most of them, there were some full brothers. But Benjamin and Joseph were full brothers. And so Joseph had a special bond to Benjamin. But Joseph had one test left in mind. They had passed all these other tests. And if you go to chapter 44, he said he commanded the steward of his house saying, fill the men's sacks with food as much as they can carry and put every man's money in his sack's mouth and put my cup, the silver cup in the sack's mouth of the youngest and his corn money. And he did according to the word that Joseph spoke unto them. So what he did, he hid the cup, his personal silver cup in Benjamin's bag. He sent them on their way. They thought they were home free. They were leaving the city. And Joseph sends the steward after him, says, hey, wait a minute. And they're probably wondering, oh, no, what's going on? He said, somebody stole the... You know, Joseph's silver cup and uh, whoever's bag it's found in, uh, they're going to be his servant. And they they figured, well, you know, we're okay. We didn't steal it. And so they started at the oldest to the youngest. And we know the story. They found it in Benjamin's bag. And we know that as they found that, It's in uh, 44, verse 12. And he searched and began at the eldest and left the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Then the brothers rent their clothes and laid at every man his ass and returned to the city. They were probably wondering what's going to happen. We cannot lose Benjamin. We've already lost Joseph. We know what happened to our father. And so... They go back to the city and they go before Joseph again. And Judah comes forward. And if you look at chapter 44, verse 32, Judah comes before Joseph and he says, For thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, If I bring him not unto thee, then I shall bear the blame to my father forever. Now, therefore, I pray thee, let thy servant abide instead of the lad, a bondman to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brother. Did the brother have a change of heart? John fifteen thirteen says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. It was Judah that had the idea to sell Joseph. As a slave. Now it was Judah coming forward and saying, I will take his place. 
Isn't that what Jesus did for us? He took our place. So Joseph finally realizes that his brothers have remorse for what they did to him. In chapter 45, it says, Then Joseph could refrain himself, not refrain himself before all that stood by him, and he cried, Cause every man to go out from me, and there stood no man with him. While Joseph made himself known unto his brethren, and he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph, doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. Can you imagine Joseph revealing himself? And they were speechless. They couldn't believe it. For one, they thought he was dead. For another, now they're thinking, what have we done to him? He's going to have revenge upon us. And what's going to happen to our life? Now our father's going to lose all of his sons. But if we read on, verse 4, And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which... There shall neither be earring nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Before this, did Joseph know his ultimate purpose? No, he finally realized what his purpose was after 22 years, because two years had passed since the famine started. He was 39 years old. Finally, he realizes his ultimate purpose. But every step of the way, he said, I'm going to follow God. And God blessed him at every step of the way. And that can be our experience today. Wherever we're at, whatever's happening in our lives, we have to understand that God has a purpose for us. And Joseph's purpose was to save his family and many others. You know, there's another father whose son was sold by his brethren for 30 pieces of silver. He was unjustly accused of a crime, and he was sentenced to death for the purpose of saving his family. And we are his family. Jesus calls us brethren. We're even called sons of God. And Jesus passed his test like Joseph did. And Jesus doesn't seek revenge against us, but he offers us forgiveness. And just like Joseph's, said to his brothers, he says, come to me, near to me, I am your brother. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11, it says, for both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one father. 
for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Amen. And John 1.12 says this, But as many as received him to, th- to them, he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. So we are one family, and we have one father. We're all his children. But today, we're in that family, and it's God calls everyone for a purpose. But how many will receive that call? And whether your purpose is a, just is to be a parent, maybe you're a teacher, maybe you're a mechanic, a logger, whatever profession you are, God has a purpose for you. And Joseph didn't have a choice where he was sent, but he was not ashamed to give God the glory. And in 1 Samuel 2.30, This is a good verse to remember. Them that honor me, I will honor. And we may not realize why God has placed us somewhere or allowed something to happen in our life, but we can know that all things work together for good to those who love God. You know, our, might, our purpose might not seem as big as Joseph's, but if we love God, he will use us for his purpose, even if it seems small. And in closing, I'd just like to quote this verse from Zechariah 4.10. For who has despised the day of small things? For they shall rejoice. Don't underestimate your small work. It can make a big difference when God is working for us and in us. Amen. Let's sing our closing song.